0: very obvious feature of the Christmas season, and we're in the beginning of it, just coming to the end of Advent, very obvious feature of it is song. We've been singing songs this morning. I could have done with better glasses than I have, I think, but at least I knew the words of the last one fairly well. But it's a time for song. Carols are among the most popular of the hymns in the hymn books, and carols are very powerful songs, I believe. Most of them capture the gospel of Jesus, capture the good news of Jesus and tell it out in a joyful way. They're strong songs. They're singable songs, most of them, and they're songs that are in our hearts as well as in our heads. And songs were a feature of the first ever Christmas season, of the first ever ending of Advent and beginning of Christmas season that we read about in Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel has several songs that are, if you like, Christmas songs before Christmas, because they happened before Christmas happened. Or Advent songs, in another sense, in that they were terms of preparation for the coming of the Christ, whom the Christmas story tells about. They're good songs, they're great songs. Zechariah's song, Mary's song, songs, powerful songs, that tell about Jesus, ultimately, even if they make something of John the Baptist as well. There are songs that erupt in a whole bubble of joy, maybe more an explosion of joy. And that passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 1 that was read this morning captures something of that. It's marked by joy, those verses. Mary, pregnant with the child, goes off to her cousin, or her second cousin Elizabeth, goes off to visit her because she too is pregnant. Elizabeth is. Different reasons for that pregnancy. She's an elderly woman, has longed for a child. Elizabeth has longed for a child for years. Her husband, Zechariah, is a priest in the temple, and he's received a promise from God. And that promise is fulfilled in that she conceives. She conceives by an intervention of God. Not a Uh, not a birth like Jesus' birth, not a conception like Jesus' conception, but nevertheless a miraculous conception for a barren woman and an old man. And she is full of joy at that particular event. But that joy is deepened, and that joy erupts in verbal expression whenever she meets Mary on the journey to meet her. When she comes to Mary... She basically is very much aware of what's happening to Mary. She's aware of what's happening in Mary's womb, and she's aware of what's happening in Mary's soul. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, "'and blessed is the child you will bear.'" In a loud voice, she exclaimed an eruption of praise An expression of praise, not in a song yet, but an eruption of praise, an expression of praise that comes from the depths of joy that's in her soul. Joy in her own sex experience. Joy in what's happening in Mary's life and Mary's experience in Mary's womb. Joy that's reflected even that she's carrying John the Baptist. He's probably uh, nearly about uh, three months in her womb. As soon as they reach the sound of your greeting, she says to Mary, As soon as it reached my ears, the baby in my room leaped for joy. Even the baby in her womb, we know to be John the Baptist in her womb, we know that he leaped for joy, an expression of joy, a bubbling over of joy. Blessed, she says, Elizabeth, is she who has believed what the Lord has said of her will be accomplished. So here is this greeting and this encounter with the two women. That's marked by joy. Joy in Mary, joy in Elizabeth, joy in the embryonic John the Baptist. Joy that spills over again as Mary sings a song. Mary then erupts in praise, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. That's the beginning of what we call the Magnificat, what we have named it over the years, Magnify the Lord, basically. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The message translation or the message paraphrase says this about that particular passage. And Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of God my Savior. God took one good look at me and what happened? I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. Mary erupts with a song of praise, a song of joy, a song of glory to God, magnifying his name for what he's done. It's not just a song of happiness. It's not just a song of happiness for what's happening to her. It's not the happenings that erupt the joy. The happiness is bigger than happiness. The joy is bigger than happiness. The joy is basically focused on God. The joy is about what God is, who God is, what God's doing. It's not so much about her, it's about God. The content of the song, the Magnificat song, the Canticle song, the content of it is all about God. Mary expresses it in joy, but she glorifies the name of the Lord. And she says things about God that we need to hear today and can be encouraged by today and uh, brought to joy ourselves today. Her song of joy is about the mightiness of God. He is the Almighty One. She says that. He has bared his arm and showed his strength. That's basically talking about God, if you like, taking off his jacket. And through what's happening here, God is showing his strength. He's the Mighty One. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, she says. But he is the Mighty God. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm in the New International Version. God is a mighty God, a powerful God. Mary knows that. Mary has experienced his power. She attributes what's happening to her to God's almighty power. He has bared his arm, taken off his jacket. He's come to save his people. He's come to rescue his people. He's come to act on their behalf. Mary knew that only a mighty God could do to her what happened to her, could produce in her a child. A child that is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're told. Conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. No other explanation for it. Mary knew that, and Mary expresses that. And I believe we need to take seriously what she's saying about this. We need to take seriously the fact that nothing else could have done for Mary what God did. No one else could have done for Mary what God did. It was only God's almighty power that made it happen. There's nothing unclean about it. There's nothing suspicious about it. It's an act of God, the Mighty One. And Mary is exalting God, the Mighty One. She knows who he is. She knows what he's about. For now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The only explanation for what was happening to Mary was that God acts in his own power and his own might. And his own power and his own might are beyond what we can imagine. We couldn't imagine an immaculate conception. We couldn't make or plan or operate some sort of operation with all the technology of the day, with all the science of today. We couldn't make an immaculate conception happen. We can't do it. It's just beyond human ability. It'll ever be beyond human ability. But yet it's happened. And the one and only explanation for it is that God is a a God of mighty power who bared his arm and acted powerfully and mightily. One of the great things about Christmas time is the fact that it declares that God is greater than anyone else or anything else. God is truly the great one, He is the mighty one. God operates according to His plans and his purposes and his abilities. A human operation couldn't make it happen. But God is beyond the normal. God is beyond the natural. God works in another dimension, in his own power, his own might. There's a dimension to God that's super to nature or hyper nature or beyond nature. And the challenge is, do we believe it? Do I believe it? Do I believe that the only explanation for Mary's pregnancy, do I believe that the only explanation for that is the Immaculate Conception, brought about by the almighty power of Almighty God. Elizabeth and Zechariah conceived in the normal way. Even with God's intervention, miraculous intervention, it still was a normal conception. Mary was different. Mary was not in any sense involved in a relationship, a sexual relationship with Joseph. That's what the Scriptures say. We've got to believe that or, or we're not believing the Bible. It is God's power beyond human power. God's greatness beyond human greatness. Nothing else can explain it. He is the Almighty God. Do we believe that? Do I believe that? In many senses, we are a bit wobbly on it at times. All of us can be a bit wobbly because it's beyond our understanding. But the joy that Mary knew, the joy that Elizabeth shared, and even the embryonic John the Baptist shared, That joy is a joy that we can experience, but it'll come when we believe believe what Mary believed and understand what Mary understood, that this is a work of God. There's no human explanation for it. This is a work of God. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not a made-up story. It's not the creation of human beings. It's something that God has made to happen. I'm emphasizing that because we need to grab hold of that. That's a firm, solid reality. We need to grab hold of and hold on to tight because that's where the joy flows from. That's where the uh, delight and obedience flows from when we hold tight onto that almighty God who can be at work in our lives for his purposes and his plans with his almighty power. And that almighty power was not just for Mary. That almighty power was released in other ways, God's people. His mercy extends to the people. His mercy extends to those who fear him. But also he has brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich empty away. God is here to build his kingdom. God is coming in this child to burst through all those barriers that prevent his kingdom expanding. Those human barriers that even religion has created, let alone politics. God is mighty enough to come and burst through those barriers and make happen what he desires to happen, make happen his plan and his purpose for the building of his kingdom. Listen again to the message translation there. He has knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. God has come to build his kingdom. He is the Almighty One, and he's come to clear the road. He's come to clear the obstacles. He's come to remove that which is in his way. And he has the power to do so. He has the Almighty power. He is the God of the Immaculate Conception. He is the God of the child in Mary's womb. He is the God in control of history. He is the mighty God able to make his plans fulfill, his plans work out. His plans come to fulfillment in history. We need to realize that, I believe. God is a God able to do mighty things. When things around us seem chaotic, when things around us seem in all sorts of confusion, certainly in the world of politics in our country, we see that today. When things around us seem dangerous and about to fall apart, when there's chaos everywhere, we remember that God's the God who brings order out of chaos. God's the one who can clear a pathway out of all the rocks and rubble and rubbish that lies about. God's the one who can bring to pass things that are mighty because he's the almighty God. He works his kingdom, he brings his kingdom to pass. And in the coming of Jesus, the child in Mary's womb, and Mary recognising this in the song, the prophetic song, God has come to build his kingdom and to clear the obstacles out of the way so that what he wills will come to pass. And order out of chaos will be the result of it all. His order, his, chao- his, order, his kingdom out of the chaos of human, human kingdoms. Mary's song, Mary's experience is of the mighty God who bears his arm and acts. Let's grab hold of that afresh and anew. Let's make our faith focus on that afresh and anew. Mary knew that. Mary understood that, just a little girl, a teenage girl probably. She understood that God is able because God is mighty. But thank the Lord, she also sings not just of a mighty God, a powerful God, she sings of a merciful God. There are a couple of times in the song where mercy breaks through. He has been merciful to me, his servant. He's been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. The glorious thing about God is that he's not a tyrant God. He has the power to be a tyrant God. But he's a merciful God, ultimately. A God who deals with people like Mary. His plans and purposes are for people like Mary to build the kingdom. That the kingdom comes through her. A humble little girl, well aware of her low estate. A little nobody from a little village in the hills of northern Israel. A little nobody. But God used her. God was merciful to her. God dealt with her in mercy. God dealt with her in grace. God dealt with her in the abundance of love. But not only is he merciful towards Mary, he's merciful towards the people who have messed up big time. His people have messed up his kingdom. His people have messed up his plans and his purposes. And God is mighty enough just to blast them away and move through. That's some of the song here. He, He knocks tyrants off their high horses. He pulls victims out of the mud. The starving poor, he sits down to a banquet. The callous rich, he leaves them out in the cold. But he's merciful to those that are humble. He works in gentleness towards those that are humble. His whole dealing with Mary... His whole dealing with her in terms of the Immaculate Conception, his whole dealing with Mary in the rest of her days, is that of a merciful God. Mary understands that. She throws herself in God's mercy. She depends on God's mercy. She realizes that's all she can do. She needs a Savior like the rest of the world does. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, who has been mindful of the humble estate of, of his servants. She depends upon him because he's merciful towards her. Let's know that and understand that too. Let's believe that this Christmas season. That our God, in his mighty power, can do what he plans and purposes, can make his will come to pass because he has the power to do so. But he's also a merciful God, a God who's a savior God, a God who deals with people who are humble and deals with them, if you like, with kid gloves. In gentleness, in kindness, with grace and abundance. The Lord that Mary sings about in her magnificent song is a God powerful and merciful, not one contradicting the other, both together. And as such, he's also a God who keeps his promises. Mary understands that. Mary sings about that. She sings about it in a sense... Because he keeps his promises to her. When Gabriel came to Mary, when Gabriel approached her when she was at home in Nazareth and told her that she was going to give birth to the son, who would be the son of the Most High, he basically made her a promise. Mary said, how can this be? How can this happen? I've never known a man. How can this happen? And he said, the child to be born of you will be the Messiah, the one of, will be the Messiah The the great uh, will be the Messiah, the Christ. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. He will reign over the kingdom and the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. God promised her a child. God promised her what the child would be, who the child would be. And Mary now understood that God keeps his promises because the child was in her womb. The child that was a promise from Gabriel to Mary in the house became a child in her womb. And when she approached Elizabeth, she was a pregnant woman. Knowing that God had kept his promises. He promised her that she would bear a child. She was bearing that child. She was carrying that child. And she sings about that, that was a fulfillment of her promise, a fulfillment of his promise to her, the fact that she was pregnant as God said she would be. But he keeps his promises also to his people in a wider scale. The whole event, the whole Christmas event that we're going to enter into over the week ahead, in fulfillment of these words of Mary, the whole Christmas event is God keeping his promises. When we have the carols and lessons that we often use, so many of the Old Testament prophecies point forward to the Christmas event, to the Christmas child, to the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies in the Christmas child. Unto us a son is born, to us a child is given. It's promised stuff. It's what God said he would do, and God did it. God keeps his promises to Mary. God keeps his promises to Israel as well. The Israel is a covenant people. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, as he said to our fathers. Even as he said to our fathers... He has helped his servant Israel. He fulfills his promises to Israel. The message again, he embraces his chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled up the mercies, piled them on high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Exactly what he promised. Christmas is about a time we all know when we want things from One another, we want things from others. Others want things from us. Children make lists of what they would love to have. And we have gotta be careful that we don't promise what we're not gonna give. It's difficult. But we've gotta be careful to teach kids that what we promise, we fulfill. But we won't promise what we won't do. That's the difficult balance parents and grandparents, maybe particular grandparents have, because they're more easily sort of manipulated by grandchildren than our parents by their children. But God keeps his promises and he doesn't make false promises. He doesn't make empty promises. The whole Christmas event is about God keeping his promises. And that continues throughout the Gospels of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. The whole event of Calvary, the whole event of the resurrection, God keeps his promises. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit, are all the fulfillment of God's promises. God keeping his promises to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel, to the covenant people of Israel, and to us who are Gentiles, who enter into the the Messiah's kingdom. God keeps his promises. We're still in Advent, and we talk often in Advent, rightly so, about Advent being a time to prepare for Christmas, for for Jesus' first coming. But Advent... Very often has been in the past and maybe we've lost it a wee bit nowadays but need to recover it. Advent is also about preparing for a second coming. The fulfillment of the promises of the second coming of Jesus. Old Testament promises, New Testament promises, words of Jesus himself. God keeps his promises. We need to believe that if we're going to live confidently in a challenging world. All that's around us today challenges us and confronts us with difficulties and hardships. But in the midst of it all is the light of the promises of God, a light to walk into the future by, a light to believe and be drawn to, a light to be received and shared and reflected to others in a world of darkness. God keeps his promises. We know he has promised. We know he's coming again. We know that the kingdom of God will come in fullness, that God will bring to pass the new heavens and the new earth. Just as he brought to pass the birth of his son in Mary's womb, he'll do his own way, he'll work his own will, he'll bring his own purposes to pass in bringing to pass the new heavens and the new earth, giving them birth when Jesus Christ comes back again. Let's know that, understand that, hold on to that. It all ties together together. It ties together with Mary's song. Mary's song about a mighty God who can do what he promises. A mighty God who is merciful and gentle with all the people, all his people. A mighty God who keeps his promises and fulfills his plans and brings to pass his kingdom. Let's rejoice with Mary this Christmas season. Rejoice with her and focusing maybe particularly on the birth of her son. We celebrate that. We celebrate the mighty act of God. We celebrate the merciful intervention of God. We celebrate the fulfilled promises of God in Mary's child, Mary's boy child. And the song about Mary's boy child we call the Magnificat. A Christmas song before Christmas. A gospel song in a sense before even the gospel. But a song well worth singing in our hearts and minds and souls, but also been challenged by, because Mary's response was that of faith and obedience. Our response needs to be joy in song, faith and obedience in life and in action. Rejoicing with Mary and following in her footsteps. Let it be to me, Lord, as you've said. Let me be your servant. Let me follow you always. May that be our response this Christmas season. Can we pray?